and uh, you can give the rest of her the haze. If somebody comes in, he can share the love. Amen. Anybody guess what the title of our of our lesson is today? Love. It's all about love. God is love. Everything He gives us, there is purpose. There is a proper way to see it. There's a proper orientation. And when we look at creation, I believe the Bible shows us that all of creation, uh, from the stars, the moons uh, that are in the universe, the, the uh, comets, all of these things were created as an environment in which he would create the earth and form man from the dust of the earth and man would become a living soul. Brother Ryan and I, Brother BJ, have been reading a book uh, about atheism being dead. And this, uh, in the book, the guy goes through all of the necessary components for us to have life as we have it on this earth. And it is an infinitesimal number of variety, various um, situations that have to be just perfectly timed for the life as we know it to be on this earth. And uh, I encourage you, if you like to read, uh, whether you get the audio book or you buy the book, uh, Is Atheism Dead? is worth your time. It will encourage your faith. But I said that to say that when the Lord created the heavens and the earth, He created that for an atmosphere for humanity. And, and uh, His final work, the sixth day, He formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. His final work, his crowning achievement in creation was when he made man in his image. And so when we understand when he planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he put everything that was beautiful to the eye and pleasant uh, and, and, and uh, tasty to eat, he planted it all there for Adam and Eve's uh, blessing. And from there you see, the, I believe even the tree of knowledge and good and evil, God planted that in the garden out of love. Yes, sir. Everything God has done, it is from a position of love. Last week I had a stool up here. Uh, I neglected to bring it in here today. But it's important to see the Word of God properly. Some people do not see the Scripture from a, from a view of love. And so they see God as some authoritarian dictator that's looking to zap people at any, any mistake they make. And they look at other people that way and they may even see themselves in that light. But it is so important for us to understand that God that we serve is a God of love. He loves you. Why don't you say that with me? God loves me. But for us to position ourselves in a place where we receive the ultimate benefit of His love is in a relationship where we love God. We love God because He first loved us. 
And so it's so important for us to do that. Uh, last week I read from De Deuteronomy. I'm just kind of introducing today's lesson by just overviewing what we talked about last week. That when the Lord gave commandments to the Israelites, He told them uh, in verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And that is the proper disposition we must have toward God, is to love Him with all that we have. <clears throat> How many of you know there's a lot of stuff that fills our, our life? Uh, we have sports, we have hobbies, uh, we have uh, things that we may collect. There may be uh, cars we like to drive. Uh, there, there may be clothes we like to wear. And it is very easy to become obsessed with things like that. Anybody be honest and say you've been obsessed by about different things before? Not necessarily bad. Yeah. There are things that are perfectly harmless, put in the wrong position, can become a distraction and a detriment to your walk with God. Right? Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with a donut. Right? But you can kill yourself with a donut. Right? There's nothing inherently wrong. I used to have a friend and a wonderful fellow. His, I, I called, his, his went by Richie. Richie Byford, and I think 12 months out of the year, if he wasn't hunting, he was getting ready to hunt. Good, good fella. But that was, that was what's on his mind. If you wanted to have a conversation with him, you need to talk about how many deer he'd seen, how many points did it have. His whole world revolved around that. And I think as a non-hunter, I thought maybe it might be a little distraction to him. I never told him that. He may watch this because I know he watches some of our services. But I think it's so important for us to recognize there are a lot of things that can be perfectly benign in our life, but we can't put them in a position where they take up too much space in our life. Amen? And the Lord said that we should love Him with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all of our strength. And so sometimes I think it's important for us to review our life and ask ourselves, Am I loving the Lord God with all my heart, with all my mind? Because we're, we're, we're people given to extremes. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We are prone to fill our mind with things. And I think it's important for us that we must strive for balance when we are prone to be imbalanced. And so um, that, that's, the, that's the main thing I wanted to bring out from last week is that we must understand that love is the highest form of discipline. Or you could say discipline is the highest form of love. If we love Jesus, we will keep His commandments. So today is uh, our second lesson. It's all about love. And uh, as I meditated on this this week, uh, something that stood out in my mind is a scripture that I'm familiar with, and it's on the top line of your notes. Faith worketh by love. How many of you know that we're, Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are saved by grace through faith, and not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith 
we're saved by grace through faith. By faith, by grace, through faith. Everybody say, by grace, by grace. Through, faith. through faith. So grace is what gives us, faith is what we use to benefit the grace God gives us. Many people define grace as unmerited favor. And it is. Grace is so much more than unmerited favor. Amen. That's like saying uh, fried chicken is food. It's, it's food. Or liver is food. <laughs> or some people say that. It, it is, it's unmerited favor, but grace is more than favor. Grace is everything that God has done toward mankind from the beginning. I believe you could say, and it would be correct, that we are saved by love through faith. Because is there a more unmerited thing that God gives us than His love? That's unmerited. Is there anything I can do to earn the love of God? He Agape love. We know there's different kinds of love in the New Testament. The Greek language has many, I think there's nine different words that are translated into English as love. But three big words in the Bible that are, are, are distinct and different in the Greek, but they're all three translated as love. One of them is, is uh, philio, and it's like a friendship love. I love you, you love me, we're all a happy family, right? Philio. And the other one is eros, which is uh, uh, a carnal love. And a lot of what you hear, Brother BJ mentioned it, uh, uh, when oftentimes the songs that are sang that include the word love, many times those are erotic. Those are not God, those, those are not agape love. Agape love is divine love. It's, it's something God has toward us and through His Spirit we have toward others. And so the thing we must understand that we're not talking about, well, I, 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 I love you as long as you love me. If you stop loving me, I'm going to cut you off, right? Or I love you because you give me something. That, that's not what we're talking We're talking about a divine love that we love people because that's who we are, right? And so it's important for us to understand when the Bible says that we should love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, that ultimately faith works by love. We're saved by grace through faith. And so a lot of times people, uh, Brother Noah has had a conversation with one of his uh, uh, schoolmates and they got to talking about what's the difference between a Pentecostal and a Baptist. And uh, Noah uh, answered on the whim, well, we baptize in Jesus' name and believe in speaking in tongues. And those are the big things that uh, doctrinally that are different from us, separate us, not just from, from the Baptists, but most of Christianity that makes us distinct. I mean, we, uh, most Christians believe in the virgin birth. Most Christians say they believe in the Bible. But the thing, the difference makes the difference, right? And what makes us distinct from the rest of the religious world is how we answer the question, what do I need to do to be saved? 
Some say, well, you need to join the church. You need to sign a card. You need to pray a certain prayer or make a certain, certain declaration, uh, sign up for classes. They have all kinds of different manners in which you become a part of the church saved. And those things necessarily of themselves are not bad. There's nothing wrong with the sinner's prayer except that it doesn't save sinners. Amen. There's nothing wrong with asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I would hope we all ask the Lord to be our Lord and Savior. But the way we answer the question is how, was the, how did they answer that question in the Bible? We know that. Acts 2. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Noah mentioned the fact that in his conversation, this young man he's talking to doesn't believe that baptism is, import, is important. And I think he asked, he said, well, if you don't think baptism is important, why do you call yourself a Baptist? You didn't say that? Maybe we just had that between each other. <laughs> Same difference. It's, I, it's hard, you know, when you're having a conversation with each other, especially by, via text. Uh, that was said in our conversation with each other, right? Did you say it or did I say it? You, so he did say it, so I didn't get it completely off. He didn't say it to him, he said it to me. How is it that you call yourself a Baptist and don't believe baptism is important? Right? We know the Bible that baptism is essential. He that believeth not, how do you know you don't believe? You don't get baptized. Right? Every place they went, the apostles went, they went forth preaching, they went forth teaching, and they went forth baptizing. Yes. Here is water, what doth hinder me? They understood, they put an, an impetus, an importance on being baptized. And we know they did it in the name of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible did people baptize in the titles Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they knew the name of the Father. They knew the name of the Son. Now, I'm not preaching to the choir. They knew the name of the Holy Ghost. Father's not a name. Son's not a name. Holy Ghost isn't a name. If you go to the check, brother, hey, uh, go, go to the store and you write a check, you don't write down Father or Son or truck driver. You write down Hayes Burnham. And that, that'll cash a check probably up to $500,000. Come on now, preach. Amen. Uh, <laughs> write yourself. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we, we, we understand there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. And so the thing that, that I, I think it's so important for us to understand that truth is exclusive. I saw someone post on Twitter the other day. Amen. He said, uh, biblical principles are not universally true. And I'm like, what? Well, it's situational, you know. I'm like, if a principle is based in Scripture, it's true no matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, I will set no evil thing before me. That application may be different today than it was in the past, but the principle's still true. There is an application. When it was a newspaper or a magazine, it's true whether it's on your iPhone, your iPad, or your 70-inch iPad, right? right? We used to call them monitors, now they're iPads. 
<laughs> right? <clears throat> so it's important for us to understand that we must be constrained by love. As I heard someone say to me the other day, and I mentioned it last Sunday, if I love somebody, there's some things I don't do because I love somebody. I, I, I love my wife. This is what this man said to me. So I don't go around looking at all other women. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, you know, hold hands with other women. I don't kiss other women. I don't do other things with other women because I am, I love my wife. I've said in, for many years, I, I don't have any female friends except my wife and my mother. Hello, mother. Hallelujah. I, 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 I purposely choose not to have a personal relationship with a woman. Now, I, I'm friendly with all the ladies here, right? And if you send me as a pastor, I will function as a pastor. And whether you're a man or a woman, I'll do whatever I can. But I try to make it very clear to anybody, whether they're in the church or out of the church, amen, I, I, I'm praying for you. But I, I can't just, you know, share my heart with you and you can't share your heart with me because... I am married to you, right? So love requires me to exercise discipline. It may hurt someone's feelings. Well, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to please my wife, hallelujah. In fact, Paul said, he that hath a wife will try to figure out what he needs to do to please his wife, right? That's biblical. Of course, Paul said, you know, if you can get away with it, if you can do it, just don't marry. Well, <clears throat> easy for him to say. When you fall in love. When a man loves a woman. Seems like there's a song like that. <laughs> so love is not just simply this warm, fuzzy feeling that we have towards someone. But love oftentimes comes with an associated cost. Right? There are some things I do not do. Some places I do not go. There are there's things that, that I don't have in my life. Because I have a wife. Right? And how much more is that true? Because I love him. He first loved me. My wife loves me. I know she loves me. Because she puts up with some stuff. Bless her heart. Through the years. Amen. And my boys can say amen. They love me too. And I, I put them through some stuff. Amen. They love me. I love them. And I think it's important for us to understand... That, that in some ways what separates us from the rest of the religious world is we understand we have a responsibility to the one that we love. A lot of people say, well, follow your heart. You know, well, you, you know, you, 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 that's, that's the way you read the Bible. A lot of people, the scripture, well, I, you know, I don't interpret it that way. So they, they almost have a blind eye. Well, I don't. I don't know that's in my Bible, and if it is, I ain't looking for it, right? Everybody say love. I wanted to bring out today that we have a, our DNA as apostolic people is we have a literalistic view of Scripture, right? The reason why we purposely and with intent do what we do is because we believe if the Bible says it, it's the Word of God. Why is it that we, when, when someone says, what do I need to do to be saved? 
Bible says you need to be baptized. We don't get a cup of water and sprinkle it on them. We don't get a bottle of water and pour it on them. The Bible says baptize. We know that the word for baptism in the Greek is baptizo. And we know that the Greek word baptizo that is translated baptism means to fully immerse. It means to put all the way under. Jesus, when he was baptized in the river, they didn't splash water on him. Jesus himself was fully immersed in the water. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And there was a heavenly utterance that said, this is my beloved Son. We read that. Huh, that's how Jesus got baptized. We read in the Scripture, they went down in the river, they went down in the water. So we know the Bible says they were baptized. They went all the way under. So we don't pour water on people. Uh, we don't sprinkle them with water. We view the Scripture as literally true. And if the Bible says you need to be immersed in the water, we're going to immerse you in water. And when we do it, we don't do it uh, just any old way. We do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? Because that's what the Bible says. Everyone in the Bible that was ever baptized by the apostles, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul himself testified of his religious experience, his religious experience, his conversion. He was told, arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, washing away your sins. Sounds important to me. How many of you want your sin washed away? How many remember when your sins were washed away? Uh, uh, Peter says it now too. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We, we know because of what the scripture says, baptism isn't simply outward an outward show of an inward work. Baptism is a part of the John 3, except a man born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Do you want to see the kingdom? You want to enter the kingdom? Then you need to be born of the water and the Spirit. Brother Noah mentioned that when he shared that with his friend, his friend said, well, the water is natural birth. Well, that's true. When a person is naturally born from their mother, they are in a water world. They are born of water, and when they come out and they're born, what do they do? They take a breath. Natural birth is water and spirit. And in the same way, to be born again, you must be born of water and of spirit. Water is baptism. Spirit baptism is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus, and that, that's, that's, what, that's what Nicodemus says, can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? And be born. If you could, it would be water and spirit. But all the mothers are glad that their 40-year-old son doesn't have to enter back into her, to, to her womb uh, and be born because it's, a, it, it's the river, it's a stream, it's a baptismal. You go completely under the water. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. And so we have a very literalistic view. In the Bible, we know 
uh, four different times in Scripture that when someone was filled with the Holy Ghost, beginning with the first time, and when the day of Pentecost was full to come, they were all in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, wow, speaking in tongues. That's what the Bible says. Acts 8, the Bible says that they believed. The Bible says that they were, there was great joy. The Bible says they were healed. The Bible says the devil was cast out of them. The Bible says they all had been baptized, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. I believe that's literal. That means you can have faith, you can have joy, you can be baptized in water in the name of Jesus, but if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost isn't a separate and distinct experience. Why do I believe that? Because that's what the Bible says. And we can know that when they laid their hands upon them, something supernatural happened because Simon wanted to give money so that when he laid hands on people, they did it. We can know what happened. Read Acts 10. The Gentiles... The Gentile, uh, uh, Nicodemus, Cornelius, Cornelius was said, send for Peter. He'll tell you what you need to do. And the only thing Peter commanded them to do was to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So even though they spoke with tongues, the Bible says that the Jews that were with Peter, they knew the Holy Ghost had fallen on the Gentiles because they heard them speak with tongues. So we know they spoke in tongues, but even though they spoke in tongues, Peter didn't just say, well, you, you know, you could get baptized. The Bible says he commanded them to be baptized. So there again, they were baptized. Acts 19, Paul himself, the writer of Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the writer of many of the New Testament epistles, when he came to Ephesus, where he later wrote the, the, the epistle of the Ephesians, we know how the Ephesians got saved. Were the Ephesians saved by grace through faith? Yes, all of us are saved by grace through faith. That's the theology of salvation. But we know the experience of salvation was that when Peter came to them, Peter, Paul came to them, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What are you talking about? He said, and how were you baptized? He rebaptized them. Today if that happened, well, I was baptized just like Jesus was. People love to argue theology. But these people, they received the Word, they believed the Word, they obeyed Paul when he baptized them, re-baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he lays hands on them and what happened? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So the reason why we are distinct from all the other denominations, it's not just because we want to be some special sect and have a special view. Our, our view of it is it doesn't matter if the Pope... It doesn't matter if an angel, it doesn't matter if a seminary comes and says, well, all you need to do is pray the sinner's prayer. Wait a minute. Did they pray the sinner's prayer anywhere in Scripture? No. So why did we not accept that? Well, billions of people pray the printer's prayer. I believe the Word of God is more powerful than all the preachers in the world, all the councils in the world, all the denominations in the world. It doesn't matter who does it that way, but what does the Scripture say? Let God be true and every man a liar. Our purpose isn't to call other people a liar. Our purpose is to stand forth and say, 
I want to do it the Bible way, not the Baptist way, not the Methodist way, not the Catholic way, not my grandma's way. I want to do it the Bible way. Now, a lot of times people say, well, are you saying all those people are going to go to hell? I'm not the judge. I think there are going to be apostolic people. The preacher gets up and puts them in heaven, and we're going to get to heaven. They're not going to be there. Not to mention all the other denominations that put everybody in heaven. At the end of the day, it is judging if we look at someone and say, I mean, there's some people, you know, if anybody made, they made it, right? But at the end of the day, that's not our place. I don't get to say anybody gets to go to heaven. And I'm not to say anybody gets to go to heaven. God is the ultimate judge. But if we're going to preach the Word of God, we need to preach what the Word of God says and let God figure out that stuff. But woe unto anyone that would change the Scripture, minimize the Scripture, deduct from Scripture, and say, well, even though that's in the Bible, I just don't think. This is the most common response I get from religious people when you show them the truth of Scripture. There's, There's four things they say. I think, I feel, well, in my opinion, and the big one, drum roll anybody, well, what if they have a car wreck on the way to getting baptized? Are you telling me they're going to go to hell? No, I'm not the judge. God, all people will be judged by God. And if we get to the the heaven and there is millions and billions of people that all they did was say the sinner's prayer, I am not going to be mad. I want everybody to go to heaven. But I I I would be in a fearful place to say, well, um... All these people can't be wrong, so we'll just minimize what the Word of God says. I would rather be Bible right Mm -hmm. than to be Bible wrong, right? So my point is we must impress upon people. Peter commanded them to be baptized, even though they spoke with tongues. The apostles came from Jerusalem all the way to Samaria so that they would receive the Holy Ghost. Even though they believed, even though they'd been baptized, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They came a long way to be sure they got the Holy Ghost. Peter, even though those spoke in tongues in Acts uh, 10, he commanded them to be baptized. Acts 19, Paul comes on disciples and he makes a point of contention. Have you got the Holy Ghost? Well, we got to fix that. How were you baptized? We need to fix that. And I believe we should have the same passion to follow the pattern as the apostles were. If we get there and it's different, God's the judge. God can let Hitler into heaven. I'm not going to be mad about it. I don't think he's going to be there. Right? Right? Right. It's just an extreme example. The Lord's the judge. There are some people that believe, universalism, that when Jesus died, he died for all mankind and we get to have everybody saved. Well, I think that's foolishness, right? Right? There's other people that believe that Jesus only died for some and those he died for will be saved no matter what they do or say. Uh, That's just as foolish. But at the end of the day, we, are, we, we must understand that if we love someone and that we love the Word, we have to pray, Lord, help me, help me share it. Now, we know 
<laughs> you can't make anybody eat something they don't want. I'm the pickiest eater. Well, actually, right now, I'm not the pickiest eater. I won't embarrass nobody, but <laughs> if somebody tries to get me to eat chitlins, it ain't happening. Maybe give me a million dollars, maybe. I'll probably spit them out a few minutes later. Hallelujah. Okay? You, 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 if somebody's not hungry, it doesn't matter what you try to force down them. If they don't, if they're not hungry or they don't want it, it's not going to happen. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness. I am firmly of the, of the belief that God is under no obligation to give people more truth if they're not faithful with the truth they have. And I think the reason why more people don't come into truth is they don't even live the truth they have. And I, th I think that's sometimes true for apostolics as anybody else. The Bible says, speaking of the church, there were ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. They all had invitations. But they were unprepared when Jesus came. Why? There was no oil in their lamp. I believe that is an example of people that can be at the right place at the right time and yet be unprepared and they'll be left. I believe that everybody in the church, if what Jesus said is true, everybody that thinks they're saved not going to be saved. In fact, I would say in this setting, everybody that was saved won't be saved because they'll be unprepared. That, that's a sobering thing, right? Everybody say it's all about love. Second Timothy three sixteen, all scripture. Read that with me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture. I, 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 I told Brother Noah, I said, this is the point you need to drive home to this person you're talking to. That John 3.16 is absolutely true. And so is John 3.5. Right? All Scripture is true. Romans 10 and 9 is absolutely true. And so is Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 is true and so is Ephesians 2 and 5. All Scripture. Many people, many Christians today, they say the book of Acts is not for doctrine. It's simply a historical view of what the apostles did. And they divorce and, and in many times don't even study the book of Acts. Why? Because their theology is contrary to the book of Acts. And so if they actually take the book of Acts as doctrinal, they can't believe what they, they believe. Because the book of Acts is the, is the experience of truth. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There are three dimensions of truth. The first dimension is the, the experience of, is the is truth of experience. You experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You experience baptism in Jesus' name. You experience repentance. And it's powerful. How many remember when you were, maybe many times, you repented of your sins? Was it incredible? Was it awesome? Baptized in Jesus' name? You remember that? Was it awesome? Yes. When you were filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the first dimension of truth. 
But the second dimension of truth is vital. The second dimension of truth is the doctrine of the experience. When you understand that when you get the Holy Ghost, that's the spirit of truth. When you get the Holy Ghost, that's the comforter. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you speak in other tongues. That's not just for that moment on that Sunday morning when you receive the Holy Ghost spoken to. That is for your everyday life of prayer so that when you don't know how to pray as you ought, the Spirit maketh intercession and the Spirit prays through you according to the will of God. The purpose of the Holy Ghost isn't just to say, I got the Holy Ghost. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to comfort you, to edify you, to pray through you according to the will of God. It's a, it's a, a uh, it, it should be something that happens for us all the time. I love you. I thank you. And hallelujah, I'm praying in the Spirit. Yes. Amen. That's, that's, that's the experience with the doctrine. And you marry your experience to the doctrine. It's powerful. But the third dimension, I believe, may be more vital than the first two. And it is the fellowship with those that have the same doctrine and the same experience. Many people have experienced the Holy Ghost. I was talking to someone recently that comes from a different denominational view, and the Holy Ghost is a secret. They have, they have experienced speaking in tongues, and they don't talk about it. It's frowned on, right? I mean, they, they can't raise their hand. They surely wouldn't speak in tongues, right? And so they have to quench the Holy Ghost. And if you quench the Holy Ghost and you don't have anybody that you can't, you can't talk about the doctrine. Nobody will even teach you about the doctrine. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't fellowship in that experience. And so many times when someone experiences something spiritually, it dies. The benefit of that supernatural experience ceases to give them benefit because they don't have understanding and they have no one to fellowship this awesome experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And so we have to, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's what Acts 2 says. They all were baptized in Jesus' name. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking bread. They were together. And that's the wonderful thing about being a part of an apostolic church is that we have the same experience. You have an opportunity to be taught, to grow in your understanding of the Word of God from a spirit-filled experience. The epistles were written to people that had the Holy Ghost. The epistles were written to people that had the Holy Ghost. Amen. The people that got these letters written to them, they were baptized in Jesus' name and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. A lot of people read the epistles and they don't understand it or they misunderstand it. It's because they don't have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't see the kingdom. There's some things you'll never understand in the Word of God with, with just simply a firstborn mind. You've got to have a born-again mind. And sometimes when you're talking to someone about Scripture and about doctrine, they, they, they can't see it because the Spirit of God, they don't have it inside. Amen? That's why you want, you want everybody to get the Holy Ghost. Why? Because look what it does for you. Amen? I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. Amen. And, and, and I'm telling you today that we love the Word of God. And if the Word of God said wear purple shoes, amen, I'd be wearing purple shoes and I'd be telling everybody, pink's not good enough. <laughs> I know pink's kind of close. Blue's close, red's close, but the Bible says wear purple shoes 
we would have been away purple shoes at the door. We, right? Because purple shoes is what you got to do. Right? And I think it's important to understand that, that, that we believe the Word of God implicitly. And if we're going to err, we're going to err on the side of, I want to do the Word of God. But it's all in the context of love. We don't do truth so we can judge other people. We don't do truth so we can be exclusive to ourselves and our own little club and our own little clique. No, we, 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 have, a, we have a mandate. We have a commission that this wonderful blessing of truth that we have, God loves us. Yes. I heard someone say this the other day, that, that the Lord, all the things that had to happen for them to experience this, it's all these divine moments and brings us to a point and you can say, out of all the people that could have this, I have this. Why do you have it? Because the Lord sees in you a hunger for truth and God's going to feel hunger. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst for righteousness and we can operate with the confidence. I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, help my family be hungry. Help my city be hungry. Help my friends be hungry. Lord God, bring a supernatural experience in them. Give them a dream. Give them a vision. God, give them trouble. Lord, whatever it takes, God, I want them to be saved. I want them to feel what I feel, to have what I have, to believe what I believe. Lord God, I love them. I know you love them, Lord. Bring them to a revelation of truth, but not just truth, but a love for the truth. Psalms 119 says, uh, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. There's a lot of scriptures I didn't get to today. But I do believe I said what I intended to say. It's all about love. And in this lesson, it's about our love for the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Lord, I want to grow in my understanding. I want to grow in my persuasion. I want to grow in my conviction. I want to show you love. How do I do that? If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. And one of his commandments is for us to love the truth, to love God, to love other people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you, O oh God, for your great love that you have toward us. Truly, faith works by love. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for us, O oh God, to fall in love, even to bring ourselves, to discipline ourselves. Lord Jesus, to repent of things that 